as folders with crayons and coloring pages and everything else to keep yourself entertained, you know, while I'm talking, um, about. Um, but if you maybe want to, some folks are a little more concerned about that kind of thing. And so, um, if, if you're, if you're okay with it, I think we're open to accepting more kids downstairs. Daniel, if you need to go down to the nursery <laughs> as well, I, just, uh, <laughs> well, Hey, Justin, if I get into really deep water, can you cover his ears? <laughs> also, the coloring pages have nothing to do with the sermon material. We tried to do it that way, and it, it, uh, it just it didn't seem right. <laughs> so, um, last week we talked about uh, David, and obviously because we've been talking about him for several weeks. And specifically, we talked about David and the, the whole Bathsheba story. Everybody sort of familiar with this or remembers last week. Um, and and um, what we talked about with that is we talked about this idea that, that sin, um, it, it's got a way of dealing with us. And James James sort of gives us an outline of this. This is James 1, uh, 14 to 15. He talks about how um, um, coveting gives birth to temptation, and, and that gives birth to sin, which gives birth to death. And and um, this cycle takes place, and that cycle, um, as we looked at it with David, it started out where David saw the neighbor's wife and thought, wow, she's a cutie, and, and things sort of spiraled out of control, and before you know it, the neighbor's wife's pregnant. This is the short version. Um, and then, you know, in an effort to make sure that nobody ever found out about it, he hatched up a plan and had her husband killed, Right? So David, you know, this cycle of sin sort of like, like took over and it just gets worse and worse and worse for David. And eventually he's called out by a fellow named Nathan. Nathan comes to him and says, well, David, you know, what you did was wrong. And, and David repents and, and is forgiven. And, and we don't see David doing all that much for the rest of the book. There's an awful lot of p- passivity from David. Um, but God warns him, hey, there's punishment coming. And, and over the course of the book, he actually loses four sons. Um, he loses one that, that was the baby that he had with Bathsheba, the first one. And then he loses several additional ones. We're going to look at two of them. And, and again, I'm going to warn you up front. This is, this is kind of, this is soap opera-y stuff, right? Like it's, it's, it's rough. So, you know, be warned. Um, but I'm going to digress. I'm going to tell a quick story. Um, over the weekend, my wife and I went to, uh, Great Falls. It was sort of a, an anniversary of a, of a, an event in our lives, and I surprised her by by taking her to to Great Falls, and we stayed at a bed and breakfast, and we did all kinds of fun stuff, and and um, you know we came back, and and the Bitzes were wonderful in that they watched Abby for us. It's a pretty big burden, as I understand it. And so um, I, I drove out there to drop Abby off, and and I was driving my little Ford Ranger pickup truck, right, and and I'm used to this thing running right because it's not a Chevy, and. <laughs> or a Dodge, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to leave you out. Um, I'm used to it running right, and so I, I head all the way out there, and I drop Abby off, and I'm on my way back, and I, I noticed that the engine got louder, um, and, and that it was sort of shaking a little bit. Now, as, as any good man in that situation would, would, would do, I, I turned the radio up, <laughs> and I... And I drove faster, figuring <laughs> figuring that if it was going to have a catastrophic breakdown, I wanted it to happen much closer to home. Um, and and if the radio's up, I can't hear it. And if I can't hear it, there's no problem, right? 
And, and as I went, it, it definitely got worse. The shaking got noticeably worse. And I found that I was having trouble driving in a straight line because I was shaking so bad. And I was having trouble getting the, you know, like it wasn't, it's a Ranger, so it doesn't have a lot of power, right? I mean, I, I could have two hamsters in there and basically match it. But like, it had slightly less power than it normally does. And, and finally, after I did this for several miles, I couldn't get the radio up quite loud enough. And so I thought, well, I'm, I need to do something. So I pulled over and I get out and, and, um, my, my muffler, right? Like this is the part that, that keeps the car quiet. Um, um, and, and I, I should have one actually. It'd be better off that way. But, but, um, the muffler, the pipe on the front end, right, had broken and, and the muffler was sitting down in the dirt. And, and so as I'm driving, that muffler is just pushing dirt and, <laughs> And I, I'm kind of looking at it and thinking, well, that's not right. That's not the way it was designed. It's not a Dodge. And I, I, I'm not used to parts of my car falling off. Like since I was in college, it hasn't happened. And I, so I get my, my floor jack out. I keep one in the truck and I, I, I jacked it up. And, and I don't know, it's Judith Landing Road is that road? I, I don't know if you guys have ever changed a tire on Judith Landing. It's not, it's not concrete for starters, right? And it would, it was wet and it was muddy. And so when I jacked up the car, the jack kind of sunk in. And, you know, I'm kind of trying to get a look at it, and I'm I'm dressed kind of nice because I was going to go away for the weekend, and I'm kind of getting into the mud and trying really hard not to, you know, get too muddy, and 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 I couldn't figure out how to get the how to get the stupid thing off, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like I I just I'm looking at it, I'm thinking I I have no good way, I don't have any tools, I'm not going to crawl under there and fight with it, and I thought, well, there's only one solution, particularly since I'm not going to get underneath it with the jack in the mud, I didn't want to be killed. Um, so, so I put the jack back in and I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to drive and I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> and I, and I'm going to hope for the best. Um, and, and I'm driving along and I see the first piece go flipping off, right? And, and I stopped and I went back and I got it. And that's when I figured out that the, that the, the muffler was like going side to side, not just down. And so it was hitting the, the drive shaft and it <laughs> cut a big hole in the drive, in the, and I, I tossed it in the back and kept going with the radio turned all the way up and I'm having trouble driving straight and I'm, you know, <laughs> driving as fast as I can to get home and, cause that's the, like, sensible thing to do and I'm doing my best to ignore it. And then I must have hit a rock is my best guess. Cause that muffler stopped. <laughs> and, and the car pole vaulted. Over the muffler. <laughs> this is my best approximation as to what happened because there was a moment there where I, I, um, then definitely needed to change my pants. Like, cause I, 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 I felt the back and I looked in the mirror and I saw the bed of the truck shift and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm gonna roll the car and, and, and I didn't because of my masterful driving skills. <laughs> and I, I go back and look and now the muffler has bent underneath the axle and is hanging backward. Uh, that's a definite improvement. So I got back in the car, turned the radio all the way up, and <laughs> kept going. And and after a while, it fell off, and I doubled back and picked it up. And it was great. The problem had solved itself, right? Like, and that's the best kind of problem, the problem that solves itself without me dying. Um, now, now, it's kind of a funny story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift gears here. How many of you guys have had problems that, that you knew were a problem, and, and you did your best to ignore it because you didn't want to deal with it? 
All right, is it really just me? <laughs> and and obviously my truck story is silly, but there are worse ones, right? Like we, the last house we lived in, we bought it, and we bought it like like there was very little information, including where the septic tank was. And so the first time we went to go get the septic tank pumped, they couldn't find it. And and so we went several years without it, and I finally broke down and said, "Okay, we got to get it found because we're going to sell the house." And and but like all the while, I remember every once in a while I'd kind of look at look at the plumbing and think, "Oh, I hope that's not getting real bad out there." I, <laughs> um, problems tend to accumulate when we ignore them, right? They don't tend to stop. They don't tend to like get better get better on their own, unlike my muffler. Um, they don't tend to, they don't tend to, um, disappear. They're just there, right? Um, they're there, and no matter how loud we turn the radio up, eventually they get to a point where we can't not hear them. Um, so, as we shift into the text, David has several children. The oldest one is a fellow named Amnon, right? Now, it was after this that Absalom, Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, right? So Absalom is one of his sons, Tamar is one of his daughters, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So we hit our first problem, right? Because who, whose son is Amnon? David's. Whose son is Tamar? David, right? I mean, and they're from southern Israel, but it, it's not that south, right? Um, one day... Like, what, what we get from the text here is one day, Amnon wakes up and he says, hey, my sister's pretty good looking. And in, in, in our culture, that's a big no-no. In that culture, it's an even bigger no-no, right? Like, like at this point in Israel's history, you didn't marry close siblings. It, it was not acceptable. Um, and I'm willing to bet, right, that this was not, like, a sudden occurrence. I, I'm willing to bet that Amnon had a pattern of doing whatever he wanted and enjoying it and and then finding something else that he was interested in and doing whatever he wanted and enjoying it and specifically as it related to women right i i think amnon amnon partied quite a bit he's the son of the king he's the oldest son right so he's going to be king one day so he can do whatever he wants and he can get away with it um and i i'm i'm guessing that it started out kind of at this level and it just got more and more and more and more. And then one day he, he realizes something that should be a big alarm bell, right? Like you can't turn the stereo up louder than hearing, hey, my sister's hot. Right? Like that, that should be the, that should be the stop sign. Um, and I think he realizes, because as we continue, Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself sick, for she was a virgin. And it, seemed hard to Amnon to do anything with her. So Amnon becomes so obsessed that he gets ill, right? Um, it, it becomes like a genuine block in his life because he can't, he can't do anything with her because, first off, she's the child of the king. She's not a pr- promiscuous woman, right? She's not somebody who, who is going to readily give in to this sort of thing. And so Amnon is kind of checking her out and saying, well, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to get what I want? Um, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. Now, Jonadab, if you follow through, if you read this whole text, I would highly recommend it. Um, Jonadab keeps turning up. Jonadab is the friend that gives you great advice about doing the wrongest thing you can, right? Do you guys know this guy? Anybody have a relative or a friend or grew up with someone like this or gets Cosmo magazine because that's essentially what Cosmo is, right? It gives you great advice about doing wrong things. Um, 
You do, don't you? <laughs> I see you looking guilty back there. Um, <laughs> um, that was Justin I was picking on, in case you were wondering. <laughs> um, his name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. So this is his cousin. Um, and Jonadab was very shrewd. Um, he said to him, O oh, son of the king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Then Amnon said to him, I am in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Whose sister is it? It's his sister. Does he mention that? No, because in his mind, if you're going to sit down and have this conversation with someone, you've got to soften this as much as possible. right? This is kind of called justification. He, he downplays or minimizing. He, he downplays how severe this is, right? I want something that is wrong. But it's not as wrong because it's not my sister. It's my brother's sister. Uh-huh. But have you guys ever lied to yourself about things? Have you ever lied to yourself and convinced yourself that it was going to be okay? And you just turn the stereo up loud enough and pretend it's not that way? Or, or seen that muffler dragging and thought, hey, that couldn't possibly kill me. Um, <laughs> it's just the muffler. Um, so he, he makes it okay by telling his, telling Jonadab it this way. Jonadab then says to him, lie down in your bed and pretend to be sick. Um, when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food to eat and let her prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. So Amnon laid down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, please let my sister Tamar come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. Okay, so he has a plan, right? This plan is to get her alone. And and that's the plan, right? You know, when he plays sick and he does all of this stuff, he's setting up a situation, right? Um, he knows this is wrong. Because he could have gone to his father and said, I love Tamar and I want to marry her. Because he could do that with anyone. He's the king, or he's the prince. He could be. He will be king one day. David indulges him. We find out a little later, he could get what he wants. Right? Everybody with me? But he's got to come up with a plan because he knows it's wrong. So he sets up a situation. Then David sent to the house for Tamar, saying, Go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon, and who was laying down, and she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. She took the pan and the dishes uh, and dished them out before him, but he refused to eat. Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. So everyone went out from him. Can't do it in plain sight, right? So he's setting his situation up. Like he's getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the line. And this is something folks do with sin, right? Folks very often will say, this is not okay, but I'm going to get as close to it as possible and not do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Problem is, the closer you get to the line, the easier it is to go over it. Um, then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food to my bedroom, that I may eat from your hand even closer. So Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. When she brought them to him, he took, her, took hold of her and said, come lie with me, my sister. Right? There's no pretending at this point. Um, gross is the right word. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. He, he, his sin has kind of hit this, this extreme point, right? And, and he's decided, I'm going to cross this bridge. It's the point of no return. This is what I'm going to do. Um, we start out with coveting, right? This is my cycle. He covets. He wants something, right? He begins to obsess over it. 
he comes up with a plan like like sin is now birthed in him, right? Like sin is there. He's got this lust for something that, that isn't his and shouldn't be his. Um, he begins to plan for it. That sin gives birth and he hits this point where he's there and he's making a proposition and, and it's, it's out of control, right? Um, but she answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for me, where could I get rid of my reproach? And as for you, you will be like one of the fools of Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. She says, hey, this isn't going to happen, right? Let's put the brakes on. It's not happening. If we did this, I would be shamed, right? Everybody would look at me and they would know that I'm this kind of gal, right? And and they would know, by the way, because women in Israel, like like this daughter of the king, she would have had special clothing that she wore to publicly proclaim that she was a virgin and she was available to marriage, for marriage to come into the family of the king. That would be over, right? And she says, hey, hey, stop. You know, this isn't okay. Have dad marry us. You know, he'll probably give in, um, even though it wasn't legal. Um, you know, don't do this. Um, so he's fulfilling the sinful nature. I, I didn't include the text. This is part of my making this gentler. She says no. He says, yeah, I'm going to do this anyway. And he, and he takes advantage of her, right? And, and um, then afterwards, like, so he's fulfilled the sinful nature, and he's sinned, and he's got this point where he's either going to be remorseful, Right? Um, he's going to be ashamed, or he's going to shut that down, and he's going to die spiritually. How this works um, with sin, whenever we sin, and you guys, how, am I the only one who's ever sinned? <laughs> the only, really? <laughs> I mean, everybody here has sinned. We have this point when we get done where we have this decision to make, and that decision is, am I going to be shamed? Am I going to repent? Am I going to do right? Or am I going to... Um, just shut down and keep going, right? I'm going to turn the stereo up louder. Am I going to pretend the muffler ain't dragging? Am I going to pretend that this isn't happening and, and just keep going, right? Um, um, and actually, the crazy thing is the more you do it, the easier it is to ignore it, right? And the less you feel it because the Holy Spirit prompts us when we sin. The Holy Spirit says, hey, hey, you're out of line right now. Stop. You know what I'm talking about when you feel guilty and you feel that shame and you're like, ooh, not okay, not okay. And if we ignore it, the Holy Spirit just stops talking because our hearts get hard. Um, then Absalom, oh, um, I, I left another chunk out here. Um, he actually goes so far as to where now he decides, well, hey, I wasn't in love with her and she made me do this. And so he gets angry and he kicks her out of the house. And she says, hold on, stop. You did this now. Some things have to happen. We need to marry. Because in this culture, women couldn't own property. Right, they couldn't. Um, they couldn't own property. They couldn't have a job. They couldn't do all sorts of things. So for her, not being a virgin anymore was no longer an acceptable choice for a spouse. Right, as the king, even though she's the king's daughter, she no longer has that option. So either she marries him, or she lives without a husband forever. That changes her economic status for the rest of her life. Right. Like she can no longer, like she isn't likely to get married after this. She isn't likely that everything is different. So when he kicks her out, she says, this is worse than what you did to me in the first place. Why? Because now, like he's taken everything from her. That's the, that's the rest of her life. And she actually goes and lives with her brother Absalom and disappear, yeah, Absalom and disappears from the story. And that's it. Um, likely Amnon just goes on to his next thing, right? 
Because that's how sin works. We sin, and the cycle just keeps going. You can pretend it ain't there. You can pretend it ain't like that. It's how it works. Sin breeds sin, breeds death, breeds more sin. Um, Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Now keep silent, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. So he downplays it. Tamar remained and was desolate in her brother's Absalom's home. So she lives out her life, never gets married, is like a ward of her brother. Um, Now when King David heard of all these matters, he was very angry. But Absalom did not speak to Amnon, either good or bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. Now it came about that after two full years that Absalom, right, and the story keeps going. So two years, Absalom hates Amnon, right? Does he have the right? I think we'd all agree, right? Amnon's a dirtbag. So Absalom spends two years not talking about it, piling up his hatred, right? Do you think this changes Absalom? Is he a better guy at the end of it? No. Um, Christ tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, listen, if you harbor hate in your heart, if you keep piling that stuff up, it's like killing the person outright, right? It breeds sin. And he dies spiritually. And eventually what he does, he puts together this huge plot, he brings his brother over for a party, gets him really drunk, and murders him. Right? Then he runs away. <laughs> and hides at his grandparents' house in another country. Like, he, he just literally takes to feet and goes. And he's gone. Right? Um... Is he done? Like, like he's gotten his revenge? Do you think all that hate is just going to go out now? No. Because that fire is lit and the sin is alive in this man. And it keeps going. He actually waits several years and his anger moves from Amnon to Dad. Why? Did Dad do anything about it? No. Right? Is Dad going to do anything about Absalom or is he going to let him come back? Well, Dad lets him come back. So he comes back, and actually, if you read out Kings or Samuel, he tries to kill his father and take over the country. Why? I'm guessing it's because he reasoned, hey, he didn't do anything. I did. I'm a man of action. I'll do stuff. And the story ends with Absalom's death, right? And um, David ends with, with two fewer sons. Because sin, right, sort of rolls out of control. What does this have to do with David? Well, for starters, what was David's sin in the last sermon? Adultery, right? And then murder. Well, there's a little bit of a parallel to Amnon here, right? That sin from one generation to the next reproduces. Well, what's David going to say? Everybody knows what he did, so we can't call him out. And then, can he call out Absalom for the murder? Well, no. David's a murderer too. And so David allows his family to get out of control because he's got his own sin piled up. And the effects of his sin begin rolling from generation to generation to generation. There's a line in the scriptures where um, God says, listen, I'm a jealous God and I punish the sins of the father against the children from generation to generation. What he's talking about here is that kids get what their parents do, right? Um Children of alcoholics have like 80% more likelihood of, of becoming alcoholics, right? Children um, from broken homes eventually have their own broken homes. Statistically, just run it across the board. Anything that's not ideal, it, it gets traded down. There are ways to break it, right? But if we ignore it, it gets worse. What did David do? David ignored it. And when he ignored it with Amnon, it got worse with Absalom. And actually, if you read the end of the story, what David says to his generals, right? He flees the city and lets, lets 
um, Amnon, or Absalom take over the capital. And the generals are like, look, we're not going to sit here and let him run the country. We're taking it back. And he says, don't fight my son. And they said, no, we're going to do it anyway. And David says to him, well, look, don't kill him no matter what. And, and the general, the head general says, oh, I promise we won't. He leaves and he says, I'll give $10,000 to the first person that brings me that man's head. <laughs> he puts a price on him. Because David wasn't going to do anything about it. Because David was broken by his own sin. It took the heart out of him. Now, mind you, David is a man after God's own heart. Isn't that sort of funny? What makes that okay? Well, David repented. Um, we're going to come back to our cycle here. Um, and we, I mean, if you follow it through with Absalom, right? He covets revenge. He obsesses over it. He makes a plan. He puts it together. He murders his brother. He runs away and hides, having forgotten about his sin and he's dying spiritually more, becoming more hard-hearted. And when he's away in hiding, he his sin continues to move and he covets revenge against his father. He begins to obsess over it. He begins to plan over it. And then when he goes home, he begins to put his plan into action and he tries to take take care of his dad, right? Sin gets worse and worse and worse and worse. It's the reality of it. Um, unchecked sin results in spiritual death, right? We become hard-hearted. How many of you guys have ever been in a place, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you guys have ever been in a place where you stopped and you realized that sin had gotten out of control in your life and you didn't even feel bad about it anymore? Or you pretended to feel bad so that you could get to the next time? You know, you know oh man, I feel really bad, but I know I'm not going to do anything, this is going to happen again, right? Um, this happens with a lot of folks. It's a common thing. And... Um, we're helpless in sin, right? Paul talks about this idea that we become slaves to sin when our hearts, be, hearts become hard. Um, sin gets bigger and bigger. If you want to read Romans 1 on your own, it's in the weekly readings for this week. Um, it talks about how sin gets out of control. Um, we do it, it gets worse. We do it, it gets worse. Um, God punishes sin, sometimes on earth, right? Sometimes we see our families come apart. Sometimes we see things get out of control. Sometimes we wreck our lives. Um, sometimes we get sick from our sin. And God punishes sin in eternity. I mean, there's this hell thing. Um, sin is an abhor aberration. Like, God hates sin. And it, there's punishment that comes with it. Um, sin frequently destroys everyone around us, right? And you guys know somebody who spent their whole lives being angry, mean, and nasty, who anybody who comes near them, they destroy them? Don't point. Um, <laughs> especially at me. Um, people who live their lives steeped in this sort of really wicked, angry, hateful sin, they become people you don't want to be around because they just they hurt people, right? Um, and sin ends up being handed on from generation to generation. And it's the truth. Um, statistically, it's the truth. The scripture says it, it's the truth. I mean, it's something that is just, I mean, experientially, ask around. It happens. Um, how do we break the cycle? Well, for David, David was called to account. David said, I'm wrong. He repented, and he was forgiven. His forgiveness, um, we, we find out later in the scriptures, all forgiveness comes from Jesus' death for us, right? Jesus died. Jesus takes punishment. I'm forgiven because of Jesus, Right? Like, actually, what happens is God looks at Jesus on the cross, and he sees me. And he looks at me, and he sees Jesus. It's called propitiation. It's a big technical word. It means we trade permanent records, right? Um, this is how you begin it, right? Some of y'all are listening to me talk, and you're like, I got this, and I got this, and I got this, right? 
Some of you guys are listening to me talk and you're like, I accepted Jesus, but I've fallen into this and this. I mean, these things happen, right? When sin dominates us, when sin controls our lives, when we have no grace and forgiveness because we're not in Christ, um, and eventually we, we, we reap the benefit of it, and it's terrible. Um, so Christ breaks that power of sin in our lives. Um, we must come under his lordship. What this means is, um, it's not just saying a prayer, right? It's living a lifestyle of following Christ. It's coming underneath his leadership. Because I can say a prayer and then continue to live in the world and there ain't no difference, right? We come to a place where we follow and we change and we become different people through Christ. Not because we're trying real hard, not because we're saying, I won't do it anymore. I remember, I don't know, it's been eight years I quit smoking, right? Anybody else quit smoking ever? And I remember 15 times a day I would be lighting a cigarette and saying, this is the very last one. You know, it's a bad sign when you're lighting it up and saying, this is the last one, right? Um, the reality of it is, is if it's my willpower, it ain't going to happen, right? And even if I have the willpower to be perfect starting today, I still got my history. And that history is still on my record until I'm forgiven by Christ, right? Um, we've got to die to our old lives. That means we don't go back to the places we went. We don't do the things that we did. We have to apologize to people, which is miserable, right? I've gossiped about you for years, and I am sorry. I've um, mistreated you for years, and I am sorry. I've done this, and I am sorry. I used to go to these places on the Internet. Now I don't get to go on the computer at all because I can't stop that, right? There are things that we have to do. We have to put away the past, and it's not fun, right? But freedom is the trade-off. We become free from our sin in Christ when we willingly follow these ways. Um, and we crucify our flesh daily, meaning, like, I like to gossip. Is there anybody else here? This is my easy example because, it, you know, but because everybody does it. Um, I like to gossip. And there's a part of me when I talk to people, that gossipy thing says, hey, I could tell them about this thing. And I start thinking about how to tell that story. Anybody else do this? Crucifying the flesh is where you intentionally don't do it. Or you stop and you say, hey, I can't talk to you right now because i got to go pray for a little while or, or whatever. It's, it's putting away this old way of living. Um, it's breaking this cycle. It's becoming to, coming to a new life in Christ through confession and repentance, right? Through saying, this is who I am. This is the way I was. Repentance is the word that the Bible uses for turning away from sin. It means literally, I'm not even kidding, directly from the Old Testament, turn around, go the other way, right? Um, become new, live a new life. Um, our practical steps, for starters, you know, because that, that was all my theological stuff, here are my practical steps. First off, if you are a person who does not know Jesus, if you're a person who's never, like, like prayed and, and repented to God and said, you know, Jesus, I want this death that you died for me to be over me, you need to do that, right? This is the first step. We start by talking to God, and we start by saying, this is how I'm going to live. I'm going to live under this death. I'm going to be living under this grace you've offered me, under this forgiveness. It begins with a commitment, right? It's a little like dieting. You have to take that first day that you say, brand new, we're doing stuff different, right? Um, in this, it's, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, run my life for me. Jesus, I've messed this up as bad as I can. Please take over. And it starts there, period. Um, if you skip that one and go into the other ones, you might as well not try it, I'm, I'm saying. Um, the second one is confession. With really bad sin, you got to sit down and talk to people, right? It's miserable. <laughs> um, but it's the first step to accountability and discipleship. Discipleship is when you have somebody that walks with you and helps you grow spiritually, 
right? It's, it's the core of the Christian life, ultimately. Um, you find someone worth confessing to and you confess. Um, you're baptized. Lots of folks don't understand this. It's an outward representation of a new thing that's happening in you. You, you're baptized to like symbolize this new life you live. If you're somebody who, who has never been baptized, who doesn't know Jesus, pay attention. This stuff is eternity, right? Like this is a big deal. If sin is something that dominates you, this is how you fix it. Um, if you want to be right with God, this is how you do it. So baptism is a public proclamation. It's an outward sign. Then you pray, you study, and you find somebody to do discipleship with, whether it's the discipleship class or you find an individual to meet with to walk through that stuff. About eight years ago, this was my anniversary, right? Like eight years. I had all of this sin that had piled up, and I was working in a church. I was a good Christian guy, and I prayed and repented every time I messed up, right? But I had this huge pile of sin that, like, ran my life. And about eight years ago, I had somebody sit down with me and say, you're messing up and here's why. They didn't know anything about me, but they told me outright, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing. And I was like, yep, that's me. (laughs) You know, and I, I met with that guy and probably five other guys individually for years, and we would say, I'd say, well, this is what I'm reading. This is what I'm praying about. This is what I'm working on. This is how we get away from it. This is how you break the pattern of sin in your life is through discipleship. It's accept Christ, confess your sins, be baptized, and then grow. Um, and growing is where the best stuff happens, right? I don't know. Some of you guys are farmers, maybe. You put seeds in the ground. You don't get the good stuff until it's grown, Right? The good stuff that comes out of this comes after the growth period. But the, the seed's got to be buried, and it's got to be born again. Um, my challenge for you this week, um, this is our last sermon on David. We're going to be doing something a little different, and then um, the weeks after, we're going to be doing Easter, which is great, right? Easter's awesome. <laughs> um, but my challenge for you this week is, as you go out of here, um, if the Holy Spirit's nudging you, right, and you know who you are, like... You know exactly what I'm talking about. If the Holy Spirit's poking at you and saying, this is you, pay attention, don't ignore it. Because ignoring it is the step into death, right? It's that Absalom Amnon thing. It's, oh, I'm just going to ignore you. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to turn the radio up and pretend that the muffler isn't dragging and I'm not going to die in a fiery car wreck on Judith Landing. Like, um, if the Holy Spirit's nudging you, listen to it. Pray. Talk to God. Find someone to deal with. Get out of it. Grow spiritually. Become a new person. In Christ, this is possible. Every other way, it's just you trying and you messed it up already. Um, So we're going to pray. And I think Brooke's got one more song. Awesome. Um, Heavenly Father, I I pray that you would please be with us today. Help us to... um, Help us to hear your voice. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit. I pray that you would move in our hearts and our souls and our minds and, and make us new. And those who, those who don't know you today, those who are hearing this and have sin that's just dominated them or, or, or is, is, you know, they're enslaved to some kind of, kind of thing in their lives, I pray that you would break their hearts, Lord. I pray that you would help them to come to a place where they would pray and say, Lord, I, I accept your, your son. I accept the death he died for me. Please have mercy on me. Um, In Christ's name I pray.